Do you not know the significance of this very moment right here? Are you stupid? Obviously, you're not because you're listening to this. This is a podcast focused on beating the hell out of your negative voice. And you're back with me, Norris Odiase. Welcome back. <laughs> Round of applause. Welcome back, My Belief Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. Quick, obviously vulnerable moment. I always call it like it is, tell it like it is my exact situation. Right now, it's currently 1251 a.m. on the Monday that I dropped this episode. Do you know why? Quick story. It's my mom's 60th. The second was not today. And they had like a big party, big showdown. It was a huge thing. People flew out from Nigeria, Canada, Europe, UK, all over for this event. So it's been crazy. Just got back home. And the audio that I recorded previously has now somehow deleted. So Norris had to put on his big boy pants on. Yeah, you get me. And get this episode, the intro out. So bear with me, yeah. But yeah, you're looking lovely. Thank you for being here for another episode. Quick shout out. Kappa Psi says, Mind Bully is a great way to start off your day and helps give great advice from a different perspective. Will be tuned in exclamation mark and says five stars. This is motivating and informative from a different dot, dot, dot. I'm guessing that says different point of view. But Kappa Psi, thank you so much for that rating and review like i never take that for granted honestly it means so much to be able to get feedback to get a rating and a review from an actual person and for me to actually touch someone's life by what i say that's actually really cool thank you so much for leaving that review and for anybody that's ever rated reviewed giving me feedback i really honestly appreciate it appreciate it i appreciate it thank you so much let's get into this episode this week's episode, this week's guest, guys, I'm incredibly humbled. I think whenever you have a podcast, a platform, and you have these impactful, powerful individuals in your life, come on and share their stories and not sugarcoat. Be so open, transparent, vulnerable, and really get to the ground level of how they felt, why they felt that way, where that come from, where it's going, where they're going, where their mind is. I think that is so powerful even on the receiving end, when I listen back, I'm like, what? They shared that with little old Norrance? I'm so thankful. And for this very episode, I'm extremely appreciative to have a colleague of mine jump on this podcast and be so extremely personal and get down to exactly how she felt, what she was actually going through. I'm so privileged, so honored to sit down with Miss Robin. Robin works in sales and business development for one of the top five companies in the world. On her day-to-day, she's to recruit, launch, and drive sales for business leaders in all regions of the world. But it doesn't stop there. She also leads a team in which she excels. Now, to this point, I've only shared one side to Robin's story. The other side lies such a powerful story in which you wouldn't believe. From a traumatic childhood to an abusive relationship to one leave of absence that saved her life. The bravery, the courage to come on this podcast and to share that story is honestly so inspiring. 
I hope you enjoy this one. Oh, there it is. Okay. Because it's moving now. Yeah. Anyway, jumping straight in. I've wasted a lot of time. <laughs> Stop it. It's fine. I don't have a hard out here, so it's all good. No, honestly, I'm excited and I'm glad that you're on this podcast, honestly, because you're somebody that in a short period of time that I've known you has made an impact on my life in not only just my work life, but kind of my personal life, getting through the thoughts of my head and my situation in the work life. It's always like, I don't know when you get on Zoom calls that split second after you're like, wait, what the heck? They were pretty cool. Like, what the heck? Like, that was pretty dope. I really like understand and appreciate, you know, just what you've been able to do. Help me get through some of my struggles in a different field of work. So I'm so excited to have Miss Robin on the podcast. That means so much to me to hear. Like, I'm so glad to be that for you. Like, that's something that I strive for in life to like actually make an impact on people around me. So, well, literally, you, I'm, I'm a hundred percent like legit. You have. And again, I'm so thankful to literally dive in, dig in, and to get to <laughs> oh know more of your story and who Miss Robin is. Yeah. So if you were to take me back and walk me through a day in Boston, Boston, oh. Mass. <laughs> Classic Boston, Mass. Yeah, exactly. What you saw, what you did, what you were like in those days, your childhood days, because I think the formative years are the real instrumental parts of you know, who you become and the kind of what everything around you, the external factors that played to who you were. Walk me through a day in the life in Boston, Mass. I mean, I guess like, like how, how I was as a child, like I was, a, I was always a very sensitive kid. Um, and I would say that I was without realizing it at the time, like when I look back, like I was definitely like a loner. I spent a lot of time by myself kind of processing the world around me. Um, I wouldn't say that I had like a good childhood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was Boston in general is like, it's hard for me to go back. Um, it's a source of a lot of trauma for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the thing I sent over, you did mention kind of traumatic childhood being the phrase. I guess if you were to unpack that just to give, you know, me kind of a a broad view of who you were, like what you were dealing with, what were some of the challenges that arose that made you to be lonely? Like you said, like, were you actually lonely as in like family dynamics or physically or mentally lonely as in, you know, kind of fending for yourself? Like, what were you going through? I think it was really all three of those things. Like I physically did spend a lot of time alone as a child. However, I've gone through that with therapists and I do wonder if like that was really the only time I was like safe. So when I, I look back on those memories, like that's the only time I felt safe. So like, that's what I remember the most is like being alone. Um, but with really like kind of what it was, it was just like a, a series of of circumstances that kind of all added up. My parents, they got divorced when I was very young. I was under a year old and I had two older sisters. 
who were three and four years older than me. So they were one year apart, um, which was great for them, right? Because they were so close. Um, but the dynamic was that like, I was the annoying little sister, right? Who's yeah, just like, yeah. go away. So like, in that sense, I was like, kind of isolated from my sisters, at least I felt like that. Um, and then my mom really, you know, she's, she's got her issues is what I'll, I'll say. Um, and she really kind of, I, when I look back on it, she manufactured me to feel alone um, because she really, she, I would say that she emotionally was abusive. And so she would kind of say things to me that would make me feel like, you know, no one else is going to understand you. Um, I'm the, I, I think she saw myself as an extension of her. Um, so Basically, she would say things like to make me feel like she's the only person who could understand me. And then when you have somebody who's unstable telling you that, you start to develop to develop like a lot of shame around who you are. Um, and the, you don't really talk about it, right? You just kind of sit in that. And that's really what my childhood was, was like me feeling shame about who I was. And that led me to kind of like just like be alone. And, you know, I would desperately search for like a, anything to help me not feel alone. Um, and, you know, friendships, once I got into like middle school, friendships were really a source of like more trouble for me. Um, and so then I fe- felt even more isolated. I just didn't, um, I wanted so badly to be loved. And I just chose people who, weren't able to do that. So it was kind of like just a bunch of different circumstances. When I think about it, it wasn't like one big thing, but it left me feeling pretty alone a lot of the time. Mm. Yeah. Robin, thank you for sharing that. I think when able just straight off the bat like that, you're courageously <laughs> able to open up. I yeah. think that's huge. And, and it did a lot for me. I think there's one thing that you did say there. It's your mom kind of the beliefs and the stories that she had in her head. She kind of reflected that and projected that on you. And you kind of took on to that. I think early on in our age, we, we want to be loved. Like you said, we search for meaning and everything and we want to be significant. We want the ones that, you know, are around us and our parents to like love us. Like we don't know, you didn't know how to feel. You didn't know to feel like shame until that was projected on you over and over and over again. So I, I I think that's one courageous that you did that again, but two, it it really just poses the question: What did you think prior to that? Like, was there a moment before you know your you say your parents split early, but before when you were kind of searching, uh, you went to school and you thought one way, but before your mom started hurling those things, like what did you want to search for in yourself? If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think it started at such a young age. And I I think that at the end of the day, I might have been predisposed to somebody who was going to be really an overthinker. You know, I'm really not sure if it's like nature versus nurture. You know, nobody really knows. Like, you know, was this like the way I am because I was supposed to be like that? I was always going to be an overthinker or thinker or did this just kind of like happen because of the things? And so 
I wouldn't say that like I really ever knew who I was as like a child and like figured out like that part of me of like what I'm searching for and what I want until I got maybe a little bit older until like I guess like maybe around like middle school and high school like that side of me started like coming out and it was just like I want to be able to say how I feel and be who I am without like this rejection of just, you know, I was told when we're sitting around a group of my family, maybe like my grandfather's there, you know, if I had like tried to speak my opinion, you know, a lot of people, families talk about politics. Like from a very young age, I was kind of told like, when you speak up and you say your opinion, if it's different then like your elder, then you are disrespecting your elder. So like, I think that's when I really started to be like, well, like I have these opinions and like, I want to be in a place where like, I can like share how I feel, you know? Was there a moment or a time period you, you mentioned this time when you got to uh, your older kind of end of adolescence there that you, you were almost questioning, like your curiosity was enough to actually say something and do something. Was there an actual moment that or period of time where you lashed out and you kind of act acted a way in wasn't usual to or consistent to who you were previously? 100%. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, I think when I started to get into like late middle school, early high school, I really started to like do some crazy things. Like I was doing things that middle schoolers and high schoolers like shouldn't do. Right. And experimenting in all sorts of ways. I mean, like, you know, stuff with boys. Um, and so like, I really started like doing things, I think to like rebel against like anything and anyone just like, I, I don't really know why I did it, but like, I think when I look back, like the ways in which like I've become myself, like were, moments of like deep rebellion and like at such a young age like that's how I was rebelling that's like where it really started it later became more like constructive rebellion you know like I don't it's not even a a point of judgment because for me (laughs) literally like I'm a twin and I have two sets of twins in my family and I would just lash out in ways like I would I was the bad kid, the hood kid from a good household. Like, who the hell am I just doing things uh, involving gangs and different things early on that I literally shouldn't have been doing? I came from a great home, but the curiosity played out into the rebellion. Like I wanted to know who the hell I was. And so when you say those things. I, I just laugh because it's like there's nothing you can say that like (laughs) that makes me or. Like it's, 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 it's one thing. And you, you talked about shame earlier and you're kind of wearing that shame. And it's almost like, you're like, well, if I've felt shame all my life to this point, it's, I, I want to feel something else, feel right. something over this feeling that I've thought over and over and over again. I think the main thing and the main kind of key here that like you did say, or honestly, that you didn't say is <laughs> like, what did you think though? Yeah, you accepted it, but kind of when that friction came, that tension between who you thought you were, who they said you were, between who you were looking and finding yourself to be, that tension, 
kind of how did you feel when you were going through the rebellious Robin and the shameful Robin, if you will? Like, what was that internal battle like? I guess it was like, you know, I don't know what I felt in the moment, right? But like looking back, it was really like, I I just, I kind of stopped like caring about the people in my life, like in my family, the people that were like supposed to be loving me. And I just kind of was like, I'll do whatever I have to do to like fight for myself. And like, whether that's like rebelling in this specific way or making certain decisions that are right for me, like it was really like, I'll do whatever I have to do to get out. Cause I was so like, I felt so stuck And I just would like lay in bed sometimes and just like dream of like this life where I didn't have to speak to anybody in my family ever again Mm. if I didn't want to. And so like that was really what was like the internal struggle of like, just get me out. How do I get out? And I guess maybe that's why I was rebelling in the way with boys because like that was an escape in those moments from that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And when you were, I would picture if I was behind the eyes of Robin and I'm coming home from school and I'm running back to my room and I'm thinking, I'm looking up at the stars and gazing like, I went out, I went out, I want to escape this life, this kind of routine of pattern that I'm in. Before that, there must have been a a pivotal moment to make you click and make you want those things. If you could remember a significant moment that you had that made you feel that way, could you walk me through that time? You know, I don't know that there's like any specific moment. I just feel like I have this thing inside of me that is like just natural of like, kind of like, am I allowed to swear? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like, fuck all this. Like, I can get through this, like, and I will get through this. And like, I guess it's like this like survival instinct that probably most people have. I don't know. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop you right there. Not to cut (laughs) you off. I'm like shaking my head and obviously they can't see me because it's honestly rare to have somebody go through this. And you, you know, I can understand you not having a pivotal moment because it's like that was like all of the moments. That's kind of like everything that that was. So. Somebody that's going through that day by day, month by month, year by year, you're growing up that way. One hand, you're this resilient tick that's like, fuck it. This is who I became. How does one become that? Because I think there's a lot of people listening and they're like, wait, how is she able to speak? How is she able to articulate herself in that way? Kind of in almost a jovial way to be like, this is what I made it out of. There's a lot of people that had that. And they're, they took the other end. They were in the substances. They were in the, the different kids at different ages and, and doing the wrong things. They honestly, yeah. their life, like it would have went that way. How were you able to find that resilience in that tension to kind of stretch your abilities and look for the correct and the positive ways out of kind of that shameful feeling? You know, I feel like I I've always thought like I've ha- I have a really big imagination which I always had as a child and in adulthood it it came it turned into anxiety. Uh like all my imagination turned into like me being able to create these crazy scenarios in my head. But um at, you know, that imagination I think also led me to like dream of like a life 
that like I wasn't in, right? And I think that that might have been the driving force for me, like to be able to imagine it. Because when I think about when I am coping with my mental health issues now, like when I'm having a bad moment, like the thing that gets me to like deal with it in a productive way as instead of a destructive way is like this like desire within me to experience joy. And it's like a really strong, like motivating factor for me um, to what like experience experiencing that. joy in your opinion. Like, what does that feel like? What does that look like in your life? Like the external factors I asked you earlier, what would it look like back in Boston? What would yeah. experiencing joy externally and internally look like for you? For me now, experiencing joy really has, it comes from like these moments of like really hard work and like, cause, cause for me, I struggle with anxiety. I have generalizing anxiety disorder. I've had major depressive episodes. And so for me, like I have to be constantly being proactive to make sure I'm not like experiencing those things in like a very prolonged period of time. So I have to put in a lot of work that might be like exercising, that might be meditation. And so like, I now experience joy from like, it's a beautiful day and I'm walking my dog. And like, I just, and there's a beautiful song playing on, one of my favorite songs playing on my phone right now. And like, I get so much joy from that. And like, that makes it all worth it, those moments. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm falling in love or, oh, I just like got a promotion at work. All those things, the, those things are great. Like it's been really like finding the joy in the little things in life in the mundane. Um, I think that's what it's like for me now is like just trying to find that. And it comes randomly and knowing that it will come again. I think that's what has gotten me through those hard moments. I don't know that I always really knew that at the time, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I see it now as like a, a driving force in my life. I'm glad you said that. And and that's beautiful that you're able to kind of know that what turns the tide for you. Um, if I was to ask you though, because now you're kind of speaking at a place of self-awareness and you've done the work and you know your triggers and you know your past and you know what gets you and what can take you to that level before then what were some of the symptoms that you experienced in your life to make you know like okay something is off like this is an issue i know you felt shame but what were kind of like the the external things or how you acted, not just the rebellious things, but the actual sh symptoms that you were showing and giving off that made you finally be like, okay, I need to dig in, lock in and know myself and why I am this way. What were some of those symptoms? I got, so I, I've been experiencing, I would say chronic depression for my whole entire life. I would say back to middle school and on. Um, and I really only started working much harder on it in the last like three ish years. And then especially within the last year and a half, it, things kind of came to a head where I was like, whoa, something's like, this is like really bad. Like I really need to fix this. Um, and I actually, you know, I, I'm hesitant to say this cause I, I don't want it to come off. Like I, I know the pandemic brought a lot of bad in the world, right. but in, in my case, like I am 
grateful for it. It put me on a path of such like (laughs) so much horribleness that like I had no choice but to confront it. And some of the things that I was experiencing, like, I mean, I wouldn't get off of the couch. Like I would just binge watch shows. I was doing anything to escape from reality, like scrolling on TikTok for hours at a time, scrolling on Instagram. I had some other destructive behaviors that I was engaging in. And I just ended up getting to a point where I was so depressed that I couldn't get out of bed some days. There was a period of time where I felt that like I had a block on my chest for like weeks, like just constant like feels like I can't breathe, like I'm not okay. And it got to the point where I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. And I had a moment where it was like, I literally had to call my boss in the middle of the day and say, I can't work. I have to take a leave of absence. Like, And he asked me, he said, like, can you finish up these things? And I said, no. Because if I had worked for like maybe 20 minutes longer, I was worried that like I wasn't, I was going to do something that I couldn't take back. And I was experiencing like serious suicidal ideation at that time. And so like, that was the point where I was like, okay, like we got to fix it. You're, you're so strong and courageous to tell that the way you did on one hand, you're saying all these tough things for even somebody that knows you and, and to hear because I, I would not want anybody in my life to feel that way. Um, but on the other hand, you you come from a place that you're charged, you're motivated. So I'm I, I'm kind of struggling tying the two robins together. It's <laughs> totally what yeah. What is what's kind of the the feeling of not wanting to get off the couch? Like what births that feeling? Like where does that come from? Like what was the situation that kind of takes it for you to that point. Because again, I'm hearing somebody that's so like charged. And if I'm listening to this right now, I'm like, whoa, she's like, she's grinded. Like she's so resilient. She's so tough. Like she's saying these things. There's a lot of people that have built with these things battle and it's so in, they suppress, nobody will ever know. And they come off on Instagram, their status signaling, whatever, one life, but they'll never say it. But for you to actually voice that, I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. So it's just like, where does that thought and that feeling come from? And kind of how were you able to piece it together? You mentioned um, the pandemic, that three years, that that time kind of helping forward and, and, and helping you get to this point. But that day that you called and took a leave of absence, what led to that? Yeah. Well, one, before I answer your question, I just want to comment on what you said about like people like not being willing to share. And like, that's part of the problem, right? Like when you are experiencing all this shame and everyone around you is just like acting like they're fine. Like that's like, I mean, I don't think I have to tell you that. Um, But yeah. Um, Anyways. So what led me to that place was I had maybe three or four months before the start of the pandemic, I had started a new job. And in that same week that I started that new job, I had also broken up with my ex-boyfriend. 
And I would, and we had lived together and that he was, I would say also emotionally abusive. I have a pattern of picking people in my life that like are, my therapist says I, you know, uh, trauma mastery. I'm not sure if you've heard that term, but essentially yeah. trying to take your trauma and relive it, but like in a, and fix it. Right. So like, right, right. that's essentially what I was doing there. Um, but anyway, so we had broken up and then I was, you know, starting to do well. And then the pandemic hit and I was just not coping well with the fact that like, we didn't know like when we were going to be back in the world mm-hmm. and what that was going to look like as far as like personal growth. And I just felt like, how am I going to, move forward in my life. And I ended up going back to my ex-boyfriend. We dated for like a month more at that point. And then we broke up again and he, I was, I started to really struggle to like go through that breakup and I was, you know, still talking to him and it just created this very destructive um, thought pattern uh, where I just, I, I felt I couldn't be alone. I didn't want to be alone. Um, and I, ne- I felt like I needed him. I, I mm. felt like I wasn't going to be okay without him. Like, because I started to, I see now that like my pattern of thinking was, I can't do this on my own. I'm not like able to make decisions. I'm not able to like succeed at my job. I'm not able to like have friends and a life that's good. Like, cause I, you know, it's, it really comes back to the shame. I just felt like I'm not capable of this. I need him to like save me essentially. And so I really got caught up in that pattern. Um, And then, you know, I went down a path of, um, failing at my job and that I would never do well at it. And it's a really, it was a really hard job. And I just, and, and I had also the year prior injured my ankle and I was in dealing with chronic pain and I had re-injured it. Um, and I was being told that I needed to get another surgery. Um, and then I started dating somebody else and I, basically felt so alive for like a month or two, whatever, you know, falling in love with somebody is so great. It was like a place for me to find joy, but I wasn't experiencing anything of it because of myself. It was all Mm. from this person. Um, And so then I had to get another surgery and then things with that relationship started falling apart. I lived in like a third floor walk up um, and I had an ankle surgery and I couldn't, it was my second one. So I couldn't walk for like six weeks for this one. So I was like stuck in my apartment in Seattle for six weeks straight in the winter where it was just like raining nonstop. Um, And I had to take a bunch of painkillers because I was in so much pain from the surgery. So for like a month, I was just on the couch, like doing nothing. And that did really poor things for my mental health. Right. And then I, it got so bad that I was like, I'm not okay. Like I need to see a psychiatrist and maybe try some antidepressants. And I had tried them before. Um, and I will just say like antidepressants are not for me. They might be for other people. For me, it makes my symptoms worse. So I started taking them and then I returned to work after my ankle surgery And I hadn't worked in like a month and I Mm -hmm. was just not, I was still, I was just at that point so depressed. And then the 
antidepressants were making me more depressed. I wasn't sleeping. And I was just, that's when it kind of all came to a head. And I was yeah. like, okay, we've got a problem here. Like I've got to call someone. During that time when you hung up the phone, you put the headset down, closed the laptop, those steps after you took the leave of absence, how were you able to walk out of that thought and, and step out of that stage of your life into where you are now? Like, what was the road to this recovery? And you said your self-care journey. Self-care, sometimes self-care looks like hard work. Yes, when I really strongly believe that. I usually, and I, I wrote down, when you make that statement, it alludes to the journey and telling mm -hmm. the full story of that self-care, but you just alluded and said the whole thing, kind of the next steps to that, the hard work that you had to put in to kind of grow and, and move past that. What were kind of the practical steps that you made to, to get out of that and yeah. in yourself, because you alluded to externally, you look to a relationship externally, the substances externally, you look to these things externally, but what was it that you found in yourself that you're able to hold on to right now and kind of improve your mental, your emotional kind of feelings about yourself and who you are? You know, I don't really know what it, what it was that like I was holding on to. I mean, I think it was just a survival instinct at that point because it was like, it's either this or like, I won't be here by the end of the day. So I, you know, and I was lucky in that I had been in therapy for maybe a year and a half at that point. And my therapist at the time was mentioning kind of frequently, like, I think maybe we need to get you into a program. Um, and I was very resistant to it. I was very resistant to take a leave of absence from work, which I'm now like, I'm very pro, like you have to put yourself first. I wasn't. And like, maybe things wouldn't have gotten so bad. So I actually was, they call it like a partial hospitalization. So I, I called my therapist and I was like, I think it's time. I think I've got to do it. She sent me like a place for me to call. And I, I essentially, you know, got on the phone with these people. They did like an, an evaluation of where I was at. And they recommend that I enter like their partial hospitalization program. I had to, it's, you know, people get ho hospitalized for mental health, behavioral health, stuff. This is essentially the same thing, except you just go every day. So you go right. seven days a week for like eight hours a day. And so like, that's where that self-care looks like hard work. Like that's where I started putting in that hard work. And yeah. it yeah. was maybe the hardest thing I ever did. And like, you kind of start to act like really immature too, when you're there, because you're just like really breaking down, like, and just like, being the worst version of yourself because there's nothing else like, yeah. and you're being told like, you have to write in your journal for 20 minutes about this thing. And like, it makes you want to like, just throw a book at the wall, you know? And like, that's where I started really putting in the hard work. Robin, that's, some real that's, work. Yeah. that is awesome. I, I don't, it's like, I, I understand what you meant by it's you're really immature, but you're working through everything that led you to that moment. I think when you're able to be, you know, kind of force yourself to be introspective and, and to 
look at your triggers, look at your past. Why mm-hmm. are you the way this way? How can I repair and rewire my thoughts from the past? Like the shame, the thoughts, the beliefs, the actions that got me to this point. How can I rewire and look at that through a different lens, a different perspective that helps me push out of that moment? I think that's yeah. needed for everyone. Yeah. The rewiring is really cool. I think you asked me in like the form that you had me fill out, like, what do you think when you think of mind bully? And I think I said like negative neural pathways. And because the rewiring is something that I I started doing there. And that's like a really important thing. Like people don't realize you can rewire your brain. Like, I, I mean, I don't, I have depression, and anxiety. I can't speak for maybe more severe mental health issues, but I, I can tell you that like, Maybe those things will always be like an underlying thing, but you can rewire your brain to stop telling you these horrible things. And it takes work and you consistently have to do it, but it is possible. I love that you said that. I literally was going to say, like, here's my thoughts on responsibility and I'd love to hear yours. I think responsibility is everything. It's like Mm -hmm. your circumstances and your situation is not the predictor of success. There's a lot of people that came from great households and great family lives and great, they didn't feel shame. They didn't feel lonely. They were loved and they end up, you know, in a wrong turn because of end up just their life. And for you to go through the things that you've been through and you to share those real moments of work, stress, relationship, family issues, shame, loneliness, all that, that cultivated to a moment that you wanted to end it. And then finding the responsibility, the the ownership, taking that on yourself to say, okay, nah, this ain't it. Like I got to find something out of this. I thought that, I think that's huge. And I'd love to just hear what you think on responsibility because you've been through this and just like, what do you think on, you know, the onus of taking ownership of that? Because again, there's so many people that, that take the opposite end. They feel that way. They, they, they're working through that and they, they kind of stay in that. Yeah, no, totally. And I think I want to be sensitive to the fact that some people who are listening might still feel like, well, why is this my responsibility if like I'm not the one who like traumatized me as a child, right? So I want to be sensitive to that because like I've been there. Um, And I, and and like, I think everybody has to learn it on their own. But what I did learn was, yes, it is absolutely my responsibility. Like no one else is coming to save me. And guess what? If they do come to save me, it doesn't feel as good as you think it's going to feel. The, the only thing that really like can really make you feel better on a long-term basis is like your own will to, you know, survive, to overcome these bad thoughts or whatever it is that you're going through, somebody can come along on a white horse and and tell you like, everything's fine. Everything's going to be okay. I've got this. And that might help for 20 minutes, but it's just not going to work like long-term. And so I think you do have you do have a responsibility to take it on for yourself if you want to recover from whatever you're going through. And and that is probably a really hard thing for some people to accept because it was for me. No, I'm so glad that you said that. And even the way that I phrased it, maybe it's like aggressive, but that that's my nature. But my thing is like the truth, like for them to know, like taking some responsibility and even reaching out to somebody because all it only takes is one person. It takes one person to say, birth an idea in your mind. That, okay, maybe I need to do something different. 
I do want to take a whole different place. I didn't even have notes on this. I didn't even think about this at all, but something you said there that I do kind of want to get your thoughts on. I talked about responsibility and there are these real emotions that we feel that's overwhelming and it's tough to get out of. For me, how I act, I personally give it up to Christ because I know that everything that I am, it only gets me to a certain point. Like, in your work life and your personal life, you've ascended to these levels in your work life. You're, you're leveling up, becoming a manager, these things. And then your personal life, it's like almost the total opposite. So on one end, you can look like this to people from back home or people at your college, like, damn, on LinkedIn, she looked like she getting it. Like, but they have <laughs> yeah. no, no idea what's actually going on. I think I resonate with that because I was in a time when in Germany, I had a three-story house, the most money I've ever made playing basketball in a different country during COVID where nobody had a job. People were struggling. And on IG, which was our LinkedIn, like, oh, he getting it. But I was actually Uh struggling. Kind of, that's why kind of cast it on something greater. I, I, I talked to you before you listened to a podcast with me and my sister, kind of the spiritual aspect. What's your take on the spiritual, because I think we, this is our container. We, we are spirits. What is yeah. your kind of, if you want to get yeah. all nerdy, what is, yeah. No, I, I, I agree that we're spirits. Well, I, I go back and forth. Um, and I think that, you know, with religion and spirituality, that's, that's fairly normal and healthy to kind of, you know, question it, uh, sometimes. And, but I, I think I feel, I think if I had to compare, to a religion, what I feel about like spirituality, I'd probably cl- most closely resonate with like Buddhism. And I, I don't know too much about Buddhism, but the things that I know are more uh, in line with that. Cause I, I do believe that we are spirits here. Um, and that we, I, I believe in reincarnation and I believe that like we were put here to, like specifically like deal with the things that we're dealing with. So like, I believe that when I came down to earth, I agreed to a specific set of things um, that I was going to deal with while I was here. And sorry, I'm just realizing, you know, you've been asking like, what's the driving force. And I remember having a conversation with my friend a couple years ago and she was like, I don't know how to cope. And that is one answer that I had to, I said to her, like, well, sometimes like I have to rely on like my spirituality. Like, so I think that is something that is within me that I kind of go back to maybe in harder moments, because I really believe that like I was put here for my soul to grow in these specific ways. I signed up for what I'm living. And Mm. so like, I have to get through because if not, how's my soul going to grow? Well, doesn't that put the onus on you? Like, I signed up for this. I got this. Mm-hmm. I feel shame. Yeah, I does. feel this way. I, I. But that also puts pressure on you again. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But like, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like it's pressure. I feel like it's like, yes, like I signed up for this because I knew that my soul was strong enough. I also believe in like levels of like, how, I guess, how many times you've been reincarnated. And like, I don't believe that this is my first time. I don't believe that anybody would sign up for this on their first time. Um, I probably sound crazy right now, but no, um, no, yeah, yeah, like I, I just believe like I was given this and like, 
I also believe that suicide is not ever part of what I would say like a soul call a soul, soul contract. So like I was put here to get through these things because I'm strong enough and like suicide is not the option, right? Literally everything I'm hearing from you is someone that's not only mission driven, but purpose driven and the leader. Oh, like, totally. You say, yes. I, I'm put on here to serve. I'm put on here to do these things. I wasn't put on here to give up. I wasn't put on here to totally. take my life. And you just even coming off this way, you said that you sound crazy. I was, I wanted to say, no, you said like, <laughs> this has actually motivated me listening. Yeah. And, and I know people that are listening is doing the same as well. You in leadership to a whole different place. We've jumped and bounced and went everywhere because I think that some of the reason I had you on this podcast is because honestly, vulnerable moment here. I'm just like, I have all these notes. She can go so many places from it. I've talked to her about some things, but I mentioned she said some things, but not all the way because we're in a work setting, but yeah. I know she can go there. So there's yeah. so many ways of how I wanted to take it. That's why I want to bounce around. But leadership and woman, being a woman in tech, mm. working yeah. in a big five company, what are some of the challenges that arise in that, like the pressure of just that is enough, but added your life and your experiences and what you've went through is another thing kind of just separating. Yeah. And how does it feel the day to day? I think the biggest thing that's been a struggle for me is that I feel if I do something, I have now come off as a bitch. Whereas, and this is like a classic thing that everyone <laughs> says, right? Because it's so true. Like yeah. if a man did what I just did, like would like would they be like what, what oh, is like, what is like one of the things that you're kind of talking about? You're looking to the side like you know exactly the moment, but <laughs> Oh my God, you can literally read my face so well. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, I did have an experience recently that I'm like thinking of and it's happened time and time again, right? But there was an experience recently where I was like, man, like definitely not going to ask that guy for feedback because <laughs> he's going to be like, Robin is rude and abrasive. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I felt that somebody was coming up short somewhere and it was something that they were supposed to own. And I felt that they weren't, and I felt that they were putting it on me, and I just wasn't accepting that. Like it just, it just didn't feel like it matched with the values of the company that I work for, mm. and I had a lot of pro problems with that. And I, I just pushed back. I didn't say anything crazy. I just was like, "Well, who owns this? Is it you who owns this?" Really trying to like push it right, and I'm trying to dance around something. And I'm, even though I'm dancing around it and being as nice as possible, I'm like, I, he thinks I'm a bitch. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, like he actually apologized to me a couple of weeks later for not like kind of stepping up, but, and I still even, I'm like, but he thinks I'm a bitch. Um, so I think like that kind of thing is just like always worrying about how you're coming off um, and always wanting to be nice and always wanting to be empathetic. Like the other day or no, I was, it was actually this morning I got on a call and I was led to believe that somebody had to, had like solved something for us. And I get on the call and it's something, it's already a pathway that I've already gone down and I know it's going to lead nowhere. And I'm now pissed that he's mm -hmm. wasted a half hour of my time. And I 
still thought, oh, maybe I should say thank you to him for trying. <laughs> you yeah. know, like it's like, yeah, why, yeah. why do I have to validate this person right. that wasted my time? But I still like that's what I want to validate them because I want everyone to think I'm nice. So what did you do in that moment? Because on one hand, like you just talked to almost wanting to uphold the, the company's culture. And honestly, mm-hmm. that's the reason why I love speaking with you because that's something you did for me. Basically, like I, I was having a tough time, like I, I'm just getting all my thoughts off, pissed off. And you're just yeah. like, nah, this, that's not the way it should be. Like, and so I saw that in you leading that way, kind of what were the steps to be a leader, be a strong force? Like, Man, I'm I'm still a, a person that wants to uphold this culture and kind of breaking away from feeling like you have to be nice just because of how you were made. I mean, I just think though the I really believe when I look at other companies that like that my company is like doing it the right way. I really do believe that like deep in my soul, like I'm a drinker of the Kool-Aid. I've kind of been like that at a lot of companies that I've worked for. And so like, I don't know, like I just feel like I'm being empowered. So I have to go with that at the end of the day. Like I have to stick with that, even if it kills me inside. And it's not going to be like that every day. I'm going to like you know, be too afraid to speak up sometimes or be too afraid to push back. But like, it's a practice. And I guess I'm just kind of like practicing slowly, figuring it out. I kind of walk through your your timeline. I'm not going to list the companies, but I think you were promoted like three different times in the different companies you worked starting at 2013 till now. What is it about you that once you dive into something, you just grind and grind and grind and grind and 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 work your way up? Like, what is it about you that dives into something 100 percent? You seem like you can't half ass anything. Like, what is the, <laughs> yeah, the no, it's trait so that you funny have? that you said that because it's like, sure, like I have gotten promoted however many times, but there was also a stretch of time where I didn't get promoted for a while and I felt like I was failing and, and the imposter syndrome was really just like totally like ruining everything for me. And then once I kind of worked on that, like, um, and of course, you know, in the past I, I've been promoted before I kind of worked on that, but things ebb and flow. Right. And like, so I think working on the imposter syndrome for me was huge. Like, I really believe you're not going to be able to succeed if you are telling yourself that you suck and that you're not going to be able to succeed. So there was just kind of like a change of mindset for me there. And then I think it's almost like for me, and I'm, I'm actually trying to unravel this and find a balance right now because I think I've gone maybe too far on the like um, overachiever side Mm. uh, because it feels so good to be validated by the people around you that you're good at your job. And that's not really, I don't think that's healthy and I need to work on that. But that became like, you know, I think being in a sales org, we are competitive people. And I was driven by watching that number go up. That was something that really drove me. And then like watching like the, when I've developed a program that was highly successful, like watching the feedback roll in, like that made me feel so good. And then when I got promoted at a company that you have to literally show every single thing that you've ever done and why you deserve this, it felt so good 
right? right. And so like that that does drive me and maybe that makes me a little bit of like um a workaholic in that sense, but I also have a good sense of my work-life balance, but I do think I I get some validation from being good at my job. It's so awesome that you're able to know and to for some people listening, they're like I'll take all the validation you can give me, like for you to recognize like that's an issue, even after everything that you've been through in your life, like that that's an issue to love all of that. Because I think like if you take in all the praise, you're going to take in all the hate and all like, so when it gets negative and Mm -hmm, when we get to the dark times, you start, there's no draw. You can't just choose the good stuff. And like, so I'm glad that you're able to, to kind of focus in and zero in on that. The one thing that I would, say that's interesting here between me and you is I kind of differ, right? And and the reason why I felt so comfortable and kind of I was uh, upset and pissed in, in my day-to-day mm-hmm. and came to you is because I don't care about that. Like not saying that you care about to impress anybody, but I'm coming from a total different background where sure. I guess my ego, I, I'm here, like I'm up here. And then being in a different role where I'm having to learn different things and almost drop to the barrel, the bottom of the barrel. Okay, that's Mm -hmm. cool. But I've never ever in my life felt the need to impress or to gain validation or to do those things. My whole thing and the rift and the tension that got into me was I felt like I couldn't express. Instead Mm -hmm. of impress, I I couldn't express myself because I feel trapped. And I don't know, I just... I think there's there's something about expressing yourself in your place of work that is freeing that you don't you don't need the impression, you don't need the validation. You're you're strictly here to uphold the culture, do your job and to grow in your role. And I don't know, that's just my take on that. And uh, and again, I think that's why I came to you because I felt free and I felt kind of open enough to share that with you because there's a lot of, and this is just a tangent again, there's a lot of people in these big tech, they say leadership, leadership role, leadership position. I don't give a damn about that. And I don't think that's what that is at all. I say, I'll say management. I will never say leadership unless you, you show yourself a leader. And there's something that you did for me. Like you showed yourself a leader. Like, wait, I sense, I feel, nigga, this is, Zoom, this is like miles away from each other. I've never met you, but I sense like this person is going through something here. Like I should be there and just listen if I'm a person of a a leader. So that's where I felt kind of comfortable being and coming to you in that. And I'm so thankful that, you know, I was able to even kind of spit whatever at you and for you to kind of take that in. It's huge. But uh, I don't know. I just think that there's something that you have that's so special. One, that you're able to to experience these hardships in your life and over and over and over. And and, it, and you recognize the patterns that got you there. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned like being with these external factors, your family, and you're working through all these things. And you're able to charge. And almost in your work life, you're, you flip it on its head. And you you excel, you excel, you excel. But you're still recognizing like... I don't want the love just because my outside, my personal life is this way. I still don't need all the love because I can get to that place. There's so many, there's so many good things about what you've been able to show here. It's like you're analytical to a T. I get why you're at the big tech because you, you can process and you know how to like get to the ground level and the foundation of how you feel, why you move, 
what will get you out of that. Even the, like the granular, the, the ground level steps that will help you every single day. I think that's so huge. And I know a lot of people listening to this would be like, damn, they, they big tech for a reason. She's a leader for a reason. She's a manager for a reason. I think your work life, if there's anything that that can tell me to even your personal life, that every time that you keep working and that you keep pushing, that you see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, like you're, you're striving because you're competitive, but you're also competitive in your personal life. So every time yeah. you keep competing within yourself, you're always going to keep a selling and get to a different level. So. Yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, I, I really do believe that like life is like a journey of like constantly learning. And so like, why I, how can I stop, you know, like how can I stop trying to grow professionally, personally, like whatever. Like I just, I think like you're saying, like I, you just have to keep ascending. Otherwise, like, what are we here for? And like, aren't you bored? And it, and I don't know. Maybe it's a little unhealthy to be like constantly seeking like challenges or whatever. But it's I not. really just want to grow and be the best version of myself. Yeah. And again, I'm so thankful. Like for this podcast, it's the climb, the journey within the climb, the steps that you take to get to the next level, the mental battle, the neural pathways, negative, the positive, kind of the internal battle, each step that you climb as we ascend, zeroing in at that fight. If I was to be in the ring with Miss Robin, you versus your mind bully on that canvas, what's that fight like? And what are the steps that you make to overcome your mind bully? I mean, that fight is constant. <laughs> like nonstop. Um, you know, sometimes like that mind bully is beating me up from the back and I'm not looking at it. But then sometimes, and I'm not letting it like get to me. But then other times, like it's kicking my ass to the ground. It's not knocking me out, but it's kicking me pretty hard. Um, but I'm always getting back up. Like always, like, I mean, what else? I feel that for me, there is no other option than to just like get back up, throw a punch, knock it out harder than it knocked me out. Like that's what it's like in that ring. But it's a constant fight. It's a constant, a constant it's fight. There. You got back up. You're getting back up. This is literally you up. The ability to speak on the dark and deep things that you went through, kind of what you're going through now, kind of what your your sights are on in the future. This is you up Mm -hmm. And this is you up and this is you up for hopefully the foreseeable future, because I know your biggest dream is to have a podcast. So oh can we gosh. do, can we make a <laughs> podcast out of this? Can we do that? Oh, you want to like turn, you want to create another podcast with you and me? Is that what you're saying? No, no. I want you to create a podcast. <laughs> oh, you I want, want me you to create, create a podcast. Because well, yeah, literally no, I... everything you were able to do just now, honestly, and in our conversations, it's like, I I always have like, you know, that mind bully in my head after I do interviews. It kind of like, damn, did I showcase who she was? I hope she likes it. I hope it really like resonates with her and people that listen. I always have that. But like, even if this doesn't do that, I know that every other conversation that we've had, I'm just like, nah, yeah, yeah. She needs a pod. She needs a <laughs> pod. And if yeah. that's your biggest dream, I'm, if anything that I said that I, you led me, you pushed me. If anything, I'm pushing you, I'm leading you to a pod. 
Yeah. No, I know. It is something that I've always dreamed of. Even before podcasts were a thing, I like wanted to be a radio host. I think it's just I've I've struggled with the fact that I'm so private. Um, you know, and what happens when I start to piss people off is like the big fear. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of fear there, but you're not wrong. What I is it though? Pursue the if dream. You, if you piss somebody off and they say something. What next? Because your credentials yeah. and who you are got you to. The, I'm I'm just thinking out loud. What is it though? I mean, it's still that need for validation. Like, I mean, that need for validation. Validation. It's not just work for me. Like, it's it is, um, you know, consistent throughout my life. And if I am like pissing people off, like, gosh, like it's not. It's like it's the absence of validation and like. The like, it's like this, um, I don't know, like mo- scary monster of like, oh, this person hates me. And I, I don't, I don't like to, to sit with the idea that people don't like me. Um, mm. And I think that sharing my story might piss a lot of people in my family off um, yeah. given the situation. Right. So that's like a scary thing is just like, isolating yourself from specific people and like, yeah, people not liking you. You wanting to be loved is kind of like a, a stem from that. All of us, we want to be loved. We want to be appreciated. Right. We don't, we want that connection. We want collaboration. That's us as, as people. But I do think there's one thing that you have said here is it's your ability to, to put yourself first and to kind of grind through that. I think that honestly you've led up to this point and you led in your workplace, if you lead in your personal life and be like, nah, like me telling my story and me doing this every single day, even if there's nobody listening, me literally saying today, I'm going to record and say exactly how I feel. And maybe if it's not even purposeful to me, but just the faith, the action that I have that this was going to help somebody Leading that way as well comes fulfilling and almost it's almost weird. You can get that validation from knowing like this is service and this is like positive, like reinforcing me to make something out of this. So just a thought. No, it's a good thought. I I mean, it's something I've always wanted to do. I think too, like when I thought about coming on here, it's like, I know you have people that are listening to this podcast. I don't know how many, right? But like, you've already created it and like, you've put it out there. Whereas I'm like, well, if I do it, like I might just fail. And like, that's a kind of a whatever situation that everyone's like, well, I might fail, you know, so they don't do it. And this that is an area where I'm not overcoming that actively. So, I mean, you're not wrong and I'll definitely think about it. (laughs) Yeah. No, again, Robin, thank you so much. I, I've, I've benefited so much from this and I know anybody listening can, you know, listen to this story and listen to someone courageous. That's literally at the ground level, grinding, pushing through, fighting back against that mind bully and trying to get to the next level and everything, not just her work life, her personal life, her spiritual life, her thought life, you doing the work will get you to a better level and get, actually has helped all of us right here listening. So again, thank you for being on the My Belief Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Mind Belief Podcast. If you like what you heard, if you like anything that you got out of this podcast, do me one favor. 
leave a rate and review for the podcast. It means the world to us. What we're building here together, many homes, hearts, ears, family, ha-ha, hamlets can hear what we're doing and building here together. Till the next one, peace and love. Hey, Genix, you going off?